Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and today's guest is Master Chef Julie Goodwin, who will be talking about her new book, 2020 Meals. Julie, welcome. Thank you very much. Now, um, just tell me a little bit about your journey from being a keen home cook to becoming a Master Chef and making a business out of cooking. Um, it's quite a transition. <laughs> It is quite a transition. It, it kind of, um, I guess I really started being interested in, in cooking mainly when I moved out of home, actually, and I had to cook for myself. Um, so I, uh, you know, I started sort of experimenting because when you get your first mortgage and stuff, there's not a whole lot of money to go around. So I knew if I wanted to eat nice food, I was going to have to figure out how to make it. And uh, yeah, just through inspiration from all sorts of things, you know, things my friends made or, you know, things I saw on the TV or places I went. So, um, and and it really just became a, a true a true passion, you know. And cooking it was mainly for my family, my boys, you know, my hubby. And on the weekends, I used to love nothing more than to you know get a whole lot of friends together and just cook up a feast and have a good day. Mm. And uh, and then suddenly it's no longer um, you know cooking up a feast for friends and family, but uh, actually being a you know I guess the the face of cooking up feasts for friends and family. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, MasterChef sort of came along. I I nearly didn't apply. My my girlfriend sort of um, hassled me about it until I put in my application. But the reason I applied is just because I'd watched the, um, you know, the British one and I thought, gee, they'd learn a lot on that. I'd love to go and learn more than what I already know about how to cook. And that that's really what motivated me entering. I mean, nobody knew back then it was going to be such a big program or anything like that. I just thought it was going to be like the, the little, you know, civilised British production. <laughs> and, uh, and then coming out of that, you know, I mean, it's just such a privilege to, to be able to do what I love to do um, every day. Yeah. So when you were in a MasterChef, I guess you, you thought of it as a maybe an opportunity, raise the bar a little. Um, but did, have you ever studied cooking before? Have you, you gone through um, courses? No, no, not before MasterChef. Um, you're actually not allowed to have any kind of qualification or anything to enter. It's an amateur cooking competition. Mm -hmm. So, no, I hadn't done any any formal food training at all. I never actually saw it as a career path. I, I just thought it's something that I love to do. Um, I was I was a youth worker prior to that and then worked with my husband in our IT business. So, And cooking was just something that I loved to do at the end of the day and on the weekend. So, um, yeah, no, no formal training. I mean, since MasterChef, obviously MasterChef's a steep learning curve itself, but since then, you know, whenever we go anywhere, we, you know, we, whenever we travel, we do a cooking course, and that's always a lovely way to sort of get some insight into a culture. Yes, yes. Actually, um, interestingly enough, I was listening to an interview on the radio the other day, and uh, it was a musician they were interviewing, but he did mention um, this idea of of food or music um those being food being one that wasn't accessible to him but you know as being a key to another culture as being a way to open a door a different way of communicating perhaps that transcends cultures do you feel that oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. look and uh, music's a very um emotional and personal and meaningful thing as well um 
but going to say, for example, Italy, you know, you go and you see all the beautiful monuments and, you know, the Colosseum and all the things that you go to see as a tourist. But when you do a cooking class, you meet with somebody who takes you through the markets and then they take you back to their home and you cook with them. And through that process, even even with a bit of a language barrier there, you learn about what they do, you know, in their homes, in their everyday and how they, you know, how they shop and how they, you know, relate to their families. And it, so it's it's a far deeper look into that culture than just sort of doing the tourist stuff. Yes, and then there's the whole nutritional aspect. I mean, I suppose you're you're actually nourishing someone when you feed them, so you really are creating this kind of um, intense emotional bridge between you. Quickly, exactly, exactly. I mean, we all need to eat, and if you can be the person who's who's privileged to provide that for another person, then um, you know that's a really wonderful thing to be able to do for someone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think that this notion of of you being accessible to people is perhaps what what makes you so appealing. I mean, people see your meals, and and certainly I felt this with with twenty twenty meals um, as not being out of reach to the ordinary cook. It's it's targeted towards the ordinary family cook. Yeah. Oh, look, a hundred percent. I I mean, that's the cooking that I have to do and that I want to do. You know. Um, it's lovely to go to restaurants where there's really fancy food. I love the cookbooks that have those kind of recipes. You know, I love to read them, but this is this cookbook, 2020 Meals, is about the practicality of having to feed your family every day and just finding a way to do it that means, you know, it's it's not a hassle and it's not expensive. And so, it's, so you can sort of fall back on it rather than saying, I'm just too tired today, I'm going to get a pizza, you know, um, which and, and there's nothing wrong with that every now and again too, but... You know, most of us just want to feed our families, you know, food that we've cooked from scratch, but without without the hassle. I, I, what I really want is for mealtimes to be more about the sharing of the food and debriefing your day with your family than it is about the hassle of the shopping and slaving over the stove and, you know, having to find the budget for it. Yes. Yes, and I suppose cooking as art, um, gastronomy, for example, um, is, a, is a separate thing really, isn't it, to kind of a, a regular feeding of the family type cooking. Absolutely. It's a completely separate thing and it has absolutely has its place and it's a, it's beautiful to behold and to, you know, to see people, you know, breaking new ground and trying new techniques and, you know, doing things that that take forever and you get to enjoy the result of it. Um, but it's simply a, a separate issue altogether to wanting to, to feed your family or to feed yourself in a way that, you know, keeps you all healthy. Yes. Uh, do you, do you find you have to sometimes face up to um, some of the snobbery in the the cooking world? It can be a little cutthroat, can't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, look, I don't. I haven't personally. I mean, I think I'm pretty um, upfront about what I do. I'm not trying to be anything that I'm not. I don't. I'm not pretentious about anything. Um, you know, and occasionally I really love it if I meet somebody who, who, for example, supplies quails or pheasants and they want me to try their product. I love that. I love mm. that. Um, and, and no, so no, I really haven't um, met with, with much snobbery from the cooking world because I think we all understand that we've, we've all got our different places. Like, you know, Heston Blumenthal, who does the incredible um, molecular gastronomy and stuff like that, if I met him, he wouldn't look down on me and I would, you know, because I can't do that. He knows that he's the master of that, and uh, all I'm the master of is cooking dinner. Yeah, which is quite quite uh, quite a good thing <laughs> to be a master of. 
And, and you, uh, you know, we we did talk a little bit about this philosophical notion of food as a medium to bring people together. Um, do you think that that the idea of you, you know we people have said I've read I've heard and I'm sure you have you know this notion of fast food kind of taking over. But um, do you think the idea of home cooking and eating together as a family and with friends is coming back? I absolutely do. I really do. I, I feel as though there's, you know, the pendulum swings. And I think back when, you know, I was young, there was very much um, a strong uh, push for feminism and for equality, which is brilliant. But I think what it created was um, women felt that, that, you know, they had to go and that cooking was sort of a non-feministic thing to do. And, and you find that that's sort of the advent of all the TV dinners and the, you know, the creation of this superwoman who could do it all and still feed the family a TV dinner at the end of the day. Um, I really think there's some old-fashioned values coming back, and I don't mean the bad stuff about, you know, the 50s and 60s, but just looking at what our grandparents used to do and, um, you know, that they grew some of their own stuff. A lot of people are going back to growing their own stuff. I mean, I, I run a cooking school and I'm noticing that a lot of people are interested in the old art of, you know, preserving and pickling. And, you know, um, I'm seeing a lot more interest in seasonal cooking, which is hugely important if you want to save money and if you want to eat well. Mm. Um, so I do, I really feel like there's a swing back to, to what I what I call old-fashioned values, but they're not really. They're, they're also values for the modern world. And I think being able to connect with your family once a day over dinner is, it's just, well, it's always when we manage it the best part of my day. Mm, for sure. And, and and I guess cooking together too, not just eating together. Absolutely. I You know, my 16-year-old, because in our house, I've got a 16, a 17, an 18-year-old, and in our house, if you cook, you don't wash up. So I've often got a helper in the kitchen <laughs> because they love getting out of the washing up. And um, Patty, the 16-year-old, uh, the night before last, just said, I want to cook. And so I, I gave him 20-20 meals and he selected the lemon chicken tagine and off he went and managed it all by himself. Oh, wonderful. And that's a really good uh, test of the cookbook too, isn't it, when you can give it to your own teenagers? <laughs> well, I, that's actually how I test some of my recipes. Mm. Um, is I'll, I'll hand a printout to, to one of the boys and they'll cook it. And whatever questions they ask as they cook, I know other gaps in the recipe. So I know, okay, um, that knowledge is in my brain, but it's not on the page. So I need to put it on the page. So if someone's cooking this and they don't have that knowledge in their brain, then they can still have success with the recipe. Wonderful. And killing two birds with one stone as well, because you get dinner made for you. And uh, you're teaching your teenagers, so you've got quite a few things uh, there. I'm going to try giving it to my teenagers and see what happens. Do it. Do it. If it's competitive, um, make them compete against each other so you can do it the best and have the cleanest kitchen at the end. Perfect. I was going to ask you for a tip, but you've just given me one. Um, Get into that. So, um, all right, tell me a little bit about the process of pulling the book itself together. Um, where did the concept for 20 by 20 come from? Um, look, I, I've seen all the, you know, feed your family for $10 and, you know, I look at that and I look at, you know, all the pantry items that apparently don't cost anything and then I look at the portion size and I think, look, you can feed your family for $10 but you're not going to get a broad um, variety of satisfying sized meals so I and I, I think $20 is more realistic um, it's certainly I don't think you can feed a family for takeaway food for less than $20 
And so the, I just thought that was a realistic amount of money for people to be able to spend on a dinner that includes, you know, fresh vegetables and, mm. and the things that you need to be healthy. Um, the 20 minutes just came from, it actually came from the, the chapter called Race the Rice, which um, that's a little game I've played with myself for a long time because I do my rice in the microwave and I put the rice in, the water in, the lid on in the microwave for 18 minutes and my challenge to myself is to have the rest of the meal ready by the time the microwave goes ding and the rice is ready. So that's sort of where the 20 minutes came from was that that's genuinely what, what I've done for many, many years is... Um, is race the rice and, 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 you know, the other chapter that's called Faster Than Pasta, same deal. I'd put the pasta on and by the time the pasta's boiled, the, the sauce and the salad and whatever else I'm doing has got to be ready. So I, I believe, well, I know that 20 minutes is um, an achievable amount of time. And what I've been really careful to do in the writing of these recipes is to remove, um, to remove anything that needs a high level of skill. So there's no fine chopping. There's, you know, the... So chicken bones, for example, they're not sliced finely. They're cut into three or four pieces, depending on if they're small or big. So you can work at a very moderate pace and still achieve 20 minutes. Mm. Yes, yeah, so the 2020 is, is achievable. It's not a, a rush target or a, or a really tight budget. No, I, it is achievable. A lot of the meals come in at well under $20, mm. um, but I just gave myself $20 so I could include a couple of things like fish. I mean, fish is so expensive mm. at the moment that there's not very much fresh fish in the book because that's the simple reality of it is that it's hard to feed your family a fresh fish meal for under $20. But um, it's it's absolutely genuine. We priced out, my husband and I, well, actually my husband mostly, priced out every teaspoonful of of stuff that goes into the recipe. So, you know, if there's a teaspoon of uh, chilli powder or a teaspoon of cumin, that's the price for that is in there. I don't go, oh, well, that wouldn't cost much, so I'm leaving it out. Um, it's not the whole jar, the price of the whole jar, it's just the price of the teaspoon. But there's also no real ingredients in there that you would only use once. So, you know, everything in there is stuff that you would use again. Um, all the pantry items are things that you'll use over and over again. So it's not like you buy an ingredient and it heads to the back of your cupboard and that's where it stays. Yeah, yeah. And I love the little pun too on, you know, 2020 vision. So that, that works quite nicely, doesn't it? Twenty <laughs> twenty. <laughs> I've had people asking me if it's about cricket. <laughs> What about the year 2020? No, no. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a it's pure practicality. This sure. Is just about how to streamline your kitchen, how to set yourself up so that things are easy. And, and But really at its core, it's about how to find the time to sit down with your family over dinner. Yeah. And and how did you decide which recipes to, to include? Well, I mean... It, it, it's quite hard to come up with that many recipes <laughs> that fit that criterion. It's a pretty strict criterion. Um, and anything that didn't fit into it comfortably was chopped. So it was quite a process. It was um, a lot of a lot of trial and error and, you know, you know, some, some things I just had to go back to the drawing board. It's like, wow, we price it up and it'll be $27. It's like, well, that's not you, nowhere near. Okay. You, you'll have to create a new file for, you know, 3030 for the follow-on yeah. or something. <laughs> That's right. And here are some recipes that cost more and take longer. Yeah. For, for, you know, if you've got a slightly bigger budget and a little more time. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's like the more money you spend, the less time you have to spend because 
you know, you can buy really stunning cuts of, you know, isolate steak and beautiful slabs of salmon that take moments to cook, mm. you know. Um, so it's kind of like a set of scales and 2020 I thought was the balance that I wanted to strike. Yeah, and, and I do love as well the way that you um, you focus a little bit on sustainability and on choosing, you know, choosing ethical food as well, ethical meat. Yes. Well, being um, being budget doesn't mean that you have to choose the cheapest and nastiest of everything. Not at all. It's just about firstly awareness of what's in season because things that are in season are cheaper uh, and better. They're better. They're at nutritional peak. They haven't been stuck in cold storage for months and months waiting for their turn to come out into the sunlight. So there's a chart in the back of the book that tells you what's in season for each month. Um, and, and you know, it's still, it's free-range eggs. I don't buy cage eggs, and I haven't for a really, really long time, even when that made it, you know, they are more expensive to buy free-range eggs, but it's still within the $20 budget to do so. So you can still cook cheaply and make good choices. Mm. Yes, and it's a great message to get out too. I think particularly to young people who may really want to eat, you know, high quality food and ethically and may be worried that, you know, that that's outside of their budget. Certainly, yeah. certainly mean, cheaper you, than fast food. If you buy food. more organic vegetables and things like that, then yeah, you're going to pay mm. more for that. Um, but, you know, if you want organic vegetables and you, you can, stick some in the backyard and grow them yourself. I mean, <laughs> obviously, if you're time poor, that's not really an option. But, you know, even herbs, just herbs, you yes. know, they don't take any time. Um, you're just going to make sure they're somewhere where they get the sun and the rain and maybe water them if it's dry for a while. And then you've got, and they're, you know, it costs about the same to buy a potted herb as it does to buy a bunch of herbs. Mm. And it just keeps growing and keeps giving you free herbs after that, you know. So that's a really great way of um, of of saving money and having really good quality food. Yeah. Handful of fresh herbs livens up just about anything. That's right. And I also I like the I like the um section on reducing waste as well. The tips are really, really useful. Oh well that's important too. I mean food that goes to waste is money that you might as well put into the rubbish bin. You know, it might as well be you might as well just take that cash out of your wallet and put it into the bin and mm. go down, buy the food, stick it in the fridge unsealed properly and, and have to throw it in the bin. Just cuts out the shopping. <laughs> so really, really big money-saving tip is to store your food properly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So do you have a favourite? I know pasta is a is a one that you've mentioned before, um, but is there one or two in the book that kind of have always been standards for you? Yeah, look, there's a couple in there that have been go-to meals would be um, the fried rice, the um, also the like sesame hoisin chicken and the chicken curry or two that you know, I mean it's just so easy when you walk through the door. They just require so little effort <laughs> and they're really yummy. So, you know, the boys are the boys are really happy to have that served up to them. Um and yeah, I mean pasta dishes, they you know, they're teenage boys. Cards of a go. <laughs> yes. So um let's talk a little bit about Julie's place, because that's that's kind of new, isn't it? It is, it is. We've been open um uh, Less than five months and uh, just loving it, loving it. It's a beautiful space. You know, there's um, all these big portable workstations and people come along to, to all the classes we run and we cook together and then the beautiful big long table, we all sit down and, and enjoy the meal that we've created and a glass of wine and just, you know, all different things coming up to Christmas. So yeah, and, and what, 
what was the gap that you um you you know you felt that you made you decide we you know we need this we need this kind of uh, kind of cooking school I guess on the central coast it kind of grew from a little seed um Mick and I have an IT business and we needed to move it into bigger premises and I said to him well look if we while we're looking for bigger premises if I could find somewhere with a, a kitchenette where I could get my test cookery out of home because our house is being overtaken with my stuff and uh, and I just wanted to be able to leave home and go to work for a change rather than work from home um and then I, I sort of said, you know, you know those little cooking classes we do in, in, you know, when we went overseas and there was just like a bench and people stood around the bench and the cook would demo and I said, if, if I could have enough space for that, that'd be really lovely. And then we found this building where we are now and it was initially a Harley Davidson shop and then it became a lawnmower shop <laughs> and it's huge and the downstairs is all, you know, concrete floors and brick walls and steel beams and it's just huge and I just went, yeah, this idea is going to have to put on a bit of weight. <laughs> so um, we, we jumped in with both feet and we've just created something that um, people are really enjoying. Yeah, wonderful and a great way to connect with your audience too, to really um, kind of touch base and, and work with the people who I guess would would see you on TV or who might you know buy your cookbook but not actually get to do a face-to-face. Yeah, look, that's, and I love that. You know, I mean, it's been it's been just, the greatest privilege since MasterChef, you know, to, to write for the Women's Weekly, to write cookbooks and sort of to be able to share my food that way. But this is, it's its its even more tangible, you know, for people who have a come here and we actually cook together. And, you know, whether it's family dinners or whether it's preserves and pickles, whether it's, you know, Christmas cake class I've got coming up in a couple of weeks so that people can make their Chrissy cakes. Just it's just so real and so lovely to meet people and you know we have a laugh. It's a lot of fun. It's really relaxed and I just feel like I get to um, get up in the morning and play. Has anything really surprised you that's come out of one of your classes? Um, yeah. Look, we, what surprises me is that um, like we were in some children's classes during the school holidays and it surprised me that the primary kids listened and followed instructions way better than the <laughs> high school kids. <laughs> I don't know if it's because teenagers know everything and just do what they want, but it was amazing to me that the primary school children really were able to follow the instructions very, very well, and the high school kids had to hold their hand because they were just chucking stuff in the bowl willy-nilly. So I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I think the MasterChef kids was actually quite sophisticated, wasn't it? Oh, they were incredible. Those kids were a bit prodigious. They were, um, you know, they were children, most of them, who'd been sat up on the bench watching their nonna cook and things like that. They, you know, they're amazing, amazing little cooks. Yeah. And and I haven't actually noticed a MasterChef high school as yet. So, um. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's right. I think, I think the kids won, I'm not sure what age it went up to, but um, yeah, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, could be an interesting concept anyway. Um, so yeah. you're not cooking is not the only string in your bow. You're also a singer. Um, did you find the opportunities to record CDs flowed from the MasterChef win? You like, did it surprise you how the, these dreams of yours suddenly seemed to come together? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
look, I, I did record a Christmas CD. It was a charity, a charity thing a few years ago um, to raise money for St Vincent de Paul. And yeah, so <laughs> I still have plenty of copies of that. Uh, <laughs> it didn't quite sell out. Um, I, yeah, I used to sing when you know when the boys were little. I'd do regular gigs at a golf club and do weddings and things like that. And that was about keeping the wolf from the door, you know, um, contributing how I could to um, pay the bills. And I really enjoyed it. Um, but once it didn't, once it wasn't necessary to do it um, financially anymore, I prefer just to do it for the joy of it. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Um, and are there a few? dreams still that you'd like to realise that you're kind of sketching down and thinking hmm, I haven't quite done this one yet Look I, you know if we're talking bucket list stuff, it's a million miles long but I've got to say that we've recently gone through a very very sad time suddenly losing someone very dear to us and my bucket list has shortened down to I want to meet my great grandchildren and whatever happens in between now and then is just going to all be a wild adventure. So meeting your great-grandchildren, um, what are the steps to that? Is that all about health then? It's about living long enough for that to happen, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah and but, living as fully as I possibly can every single day. Yeah. And I suppose one way towards longevity and health is is eating high-quality food? Oh, look, 100%. What you, you know, the way you treat your body is important. It's not the only thing that's important, and and it's not, you know, when when people think health, they think you know um, food and exercise. But actually, um, having gratitude is important to your health. Um, surrounding yourself with people who love you is important to your health. You know, taking time to appreciate, you know, the people and the surroundings and all the blessings that we have. I think all of that is instrumental in in creating holistic health. Mm, for sure. Serenity, of course, as well, which is uh, all too yeah. rare in this day and age, I think. That's right. Take, taking time to, I guess, to, you know, to look around you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're so very lucky. Yeah. So do, do you read cookbooks yourself? Are you inspired by anybody in particular? I love cookbooks. I love them. Um, and I do read them. I Sometimes I cook from them, but I'm more likely to go to a cookbook, read a recipe, and then read a similar recipe in a couple more cookbooks or maybe online, and then go into the kitchen and, and have a crack at it myself. Um, who inspires me? My favourite Australian cook is um, Margaret Fulton. Mm. I just... I. I Oh, I aspire to what she did, which was, she, I believe that she's the person who harnessed all the beautiful multicultural elements in this country and made them accessible for ordinary Australians. And I think she was instrumental in changing us from a lamb chops and free vegetables nation into a nation of people who will try new things and people who will cook different things. And, and now we just have such a wide range of, of cultures to choose from and a cuisine to choose from and I, I do believe she was a pioneer in that. Mm. And twenty twenty meals is definitely um I've noticed that it's quite international in its uh its focus. Well that's right. <laughs> I mean there's so many great sort of flavour profiles in that in you know, in the cuisines of other countries and um it does they don't have to be tricky. I mean if if you go to India and you eat, you know, a beautiful Indian curry there, there there's no experience like that. 
But you look at the ingredient list and it's, you know, there's 42 things on there. Um, so my, what my goal is, is to then say, well, I'd like to recreate something of that experience, but in an easy, accessible, affordable way. So when you eat my chicken curry, it's not going to be identical to the one you have in India and it's not the traditional way that it's made, but it's, it's a beautiful dish and you enjoy it and it was easy. Yes. So yeah, that's kind of what I try to do when I eat something that really inspires me. I, I break it down into what, what's in it, in the traditional one, and then I sort of build it back up um, as simply as I can. And for $20. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wonderful. Look, that, that's pretty much uh, the end of our session today, Julie. But thank you so much for joining us. Um, and readers, if you want more, and there's a lot more, um, including recipes, news, blog posts, and, of course, information about Julie's place, you can visit Julie online at www.juliegoodwin.com.au. Thanks very much, and bye for now. Bye, Julie.